Good morning, church. I'm Pastor Nancy. Well, friends, we have been in a series called Love Thy Neighbor, and it has been fun and it has been challenging. Anybody else? Challenging for anybody else? Maybe just me? All right. Um, you see, there's things that we can know. We can know to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, but to do that, to love our neighbors, to change our actions and our attitudes, well, that can be kind of hard sometimes to change those attitudes in our daily lives. We can think we have everything figured out up here, but actually making this adjustment in our heart can be different. And sometimes we have to do that through humility and vulnerability those are kind of scary words in our culture because our culture is often this go faster, go bigger, better, faster. Come on, let's make our list. Let's make our to-do list. And we set out to put those into action. We're doers. We often think transformation happens when we make our list and we're going to accomplish something. But what if true transformation happens in our hearts, moving us from our minds to our hearts, when we actually get vulnerable and step into humility and allow God to reshape that to-do list and our heart attitude. As we're in this Love Thy Neighbor series, we might take this information we've been gathering in, we might be making that five-step checklist to go into our neighborhood, our action steps. Okay, we've started noticing the, na- the eight neighbors around us, and here we go. But how often are we the ones being cared for? How often are we receiving? How does that change us? So I want to share a story with you. Um, Several years ago, back in like 2010, 2011, I was on a mission trip. And this story, I call it the pineapple story. Um, And it's a time God drastically adjusted the posture of my heart. So we were in Guatemala, and we were there for about a week and a half. And it was a really small team, and we were working with a nonprofit who helped bring sustainable, clean water to communities. It wasn't World Vision, but this tells you how long I've been passionate about clean water. And this small community was way up on the mountains, and it was just, it was really just this little village. And they had only been allowing people from outside to come into this village for just the past few years. So they hadn't seen very many people that weren't Guatemalans. So we were working with this nonprofit, and this area was just really in a difficult space. There was malnourishment. The water was constantly making them sick. It was full of parasites. Um, many of the homes still had dirt floors that they had rocks and a fire right in the middle, and that's where they cooked. Now, We had gone through our training not to come in and be this great white hope, come and save these people. Um, We were told not to act like missional tourist fools and not be ridiculous out there. And and we had taken that in. And so the first couple days, we're installing these water filter systems in these five-gallon buckets and showing the people how to use them and going home to home. And in this organization, we had Spanish translators, because not all of us, not many of us, I don't speak Spanish. But we were also in this tiny Mayan village that had been isolated for so many years, and so they actually spoke a very small regional dialect of Mayan called Ixchil. So we had Ixchil translators, we had Spanish translators, and English translators. Now, this afternoon of this first day of installing water filters, some of our team were going to visit the kids that they sponsored, so I was the only one 
who was going with the team of these local community leaders and with the translators from our organization. And I was the only English speaker. So we were trying to kind of speak this English, Spanish, Ixchil, sign language kind of thing and go to these homes and, and be allowed into these homes with these people. And it was a little nerve-wracking at first. And then it was absolutely amazing. Come on, we're doing the work for God putting in these filters into these homes. We're going to be changing lives. It was so great. Up and down these hills in this little village. And then the next day, I was all pumped up. I was like, yeah, we're ready to go. Come on. We're going to install some filters. We're going to save some lives. We're going to change some things for God. God is awesome. We're going to put him on display. We're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus here in this little community. Let's go. And then the leaders came up and said, so the, the local community leaders they want to go themselves in their own community, in their own neighborhood. So you guys can wait here and find something to do. Yeah. What was my heart attitude? I was a little like, what? Come on. Jesus, we were ready to go. We had a plan. We're doing your work here, Jesus. What are these leaders doing in their community? Okay, so I started walking down this street, kind of kicking the dirt, and came across this house that, it was a small little house that way back, but it had these really big gates out front, we saw some ladies working in the yard, and there was this old rusty wheelbarrow, but it was full of pineapples, like those little ones that are super juicy and super sweet, and so we're kind of pointing like, look at those pineapples, I want those. And the lady came to the gate and started trying to talk to us in her Spanish-English kind of words mixed in there and trying to teach us the word for pineapple. And then she started saying something. And as she was pointing to her head, we realized she was trying to say the name Mike, one of our teammates who had been there a couple of times before. And we weren't even sure Mike was going to make it on the trip with us because Mike had been living with a brain tumor that was growing back and was becoming pretty invasive. But she remembered him. And, and we started calling to Mike and Mike came down And all the other daughters in the house came running to the gate, and they flung the gates wide open. And they said, come in. The translator, one of the translators came down and said, she wants you to go into her house. Like, this is a big deal. She's inviting you into her yard behind the gate and into the house. And we went in, and they wanted to pray for us. They wanted to pray for Mike. They wanted to pray for us. And we had the most beautiful thing, because a Mayan prayer circle, they all hold hands, and we all pray at the same time in English and Spanish and Ixchil, calling on the name of Jesus. And it was beautiful. And it changed my heart posture. We instantly knew that God was there. And this lady had begged us to come in. And I was thinking that I was there to serve. But I was the one that was cared for. I was deeply ministered to in that moment. This woman, who I thought had nothing, cared for me. And as we're walking out of her yard, she gave me a pineapple. (laughs) Pineapples out of my backpack, yep. Friends, those days, those moments moved me out of my head moved me out of my to-do list and connected to my heart what it meant to receive. 
This person didn't have much, but she loved deeply. And it changed my heart posture for the trip and beyond. I could have turned her invitation into her home. I could have turned it down, but I'd already been kind of jilted with the water filters and I realized I needed to be vulnerable and accept this offer. And I wonder even now, how do we set aside our to-do lists and our expectations and our plans? And how do we move to this heart posture of receiving, of being cared for by others? And when we think about going into our literal neighborhoods, the eight houses around us, have you been making that to-do list of how you're going to go accomplish this, how you're going to serve them? Is that coming from here? Or is that coming from here? What's your heart posture? What does it look like to move out of our heads, move beyond just knowledge, and move into our hearts and posture them before God in a heart that is receiving? you pray with me? Father God, we pray that you move in us today, that you take the knowledge you have given us, that you move it to our hearts, that you transform us, that you show us what it means to be vulnerable, to be hum- uh, serve in humility, to come before you in humbleness. God, we're grateful for what you're going to teach us today. Amen. So today we're going to kick it old school. We're going back to some First Kings. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, I encourage you to open that up to First Kings 17. We're going to be in verses 7 through 16. So First Kings 7 through 16. And let me read this for us. From 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And then the word of the Lord came to him. That is Elijah. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, please a piece of bread. As surely as the God, as your Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take to my home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small loaf of bread from me, from what you have, and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up. And the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. So she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. The word of the Lord. So a little background here. Elijah was a prophet during this time. And during this time, there were some horrible, horrible kings and the kingdom became divided. And Elijah had announced a drought was going to come over the land and there was going to be a famine. And God, at this pronouncement, told Elijah to go, to leave Israel, go to this foreign land, go to this brook while you'll find water and I'm going to send ravens to feed you. I'm going to provide for you. God provided and met his needs. And here we come back. I'm going to look at verse 7 again. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there was no rain. And God told him where to go next. 
and said, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Now, widows during this time really didn't have much to offer. They couldn't work. They couldn't own land. They were at the mercy of others. They were often cared for by food that was from local donations, and they gathered as they could. And there was a drought, friends. That meant there was no wheat growing. There was nothing to harvest. There was no wheat to thresh. So there would be no new flour. And the water was drying up. We get a sense of the depth of her poverty. And God directs Elijah to her. Not only does God direct Elijah to her, he tells Elijah, go ask her for help. This woman who has nothing. Now, Elijah is in a foreign land, but as a prophet, I'm sure he could have relied on his own power to get what he needed, to get food, to find water. And he, on his walk to this town, he could have been making his list of other places he could have gone. Or maybe he was making his list of like, all right, God, you're sending me to this widow. Let's go fix her. Right? He could have made her a project. But he was faithful to God. And he was trusting in God to provide his heart attitude. He was waiting to receive from God. He wasn't trying to scheme. He wasn't trying to plan. He wasn't trying to get what he needed. So he gets to the city, and sure enough, there's this widow right at the city gate gathering sticks to go home and make a fire so she can make some food. And the first thing Elijah says is, could you bring me a little water so I can have a drink? People, there's a drought. There's very little water. And here the stranger comes in and says, woman, will you go get me a drink of water? Yeah, in the past, I've read this from a place of power, from a place of prominence. This prophet is coming in and asking this impoverished woman for water. And maybe you're thinking, woman, just you wait. Maybe this is what Elijah was thinking or we're thinking. Just wait, woman. God's going to do something for you. Just wait. Something good is happening. And then as she's going to get it, Elijah says, oh, and bring me a piece of bread jerk seriously but the more i sat with this i realized he wasn't coming from this place of prominence elijah was coming from this heart posture that was dependent on god and his faithfulness more like lord you've told me where to go and i trust that you're going to work this out and i know this woman has beyond nothing And I trust you are faithful. And I trust, Lord, you will supply what both of us need. Verse 12 shows us the depths of this woman's poverty. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied. Water. I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son. Our last little bit of meal. All that we have left. And then we're going to die. I was reading a lesson plan, a lesson guide that was, I think, more geared toward kids. I hope it was more geared toward kids because it said, how did the woman feel? How did the woman feel? 
Are you kidding me? She was getting ready to go die. She was watching her son, her only child, starve to death. And she's a widow, so her husband has died, and they are in this drought. There is no food, and she's getting ready to die. How did she feel? Maybe a better question is, what was her heart attitude? In her mind, she knows she has nothing left to live for. But I think her heart attitude was open. As we look at verses 13 and 14, Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make some for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Like Pastor Austin talked about last week, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Step beyond your comfort zone. Don't be afraid. Go home and do as God has said because this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, has said. God is faithful. God was at work. Even in this place of perhaps fear, this place of desolation in this woman's life, God was at work. And he's at work in spite of our to-do lists, in spite of our expected outcomes. God was at work. God is at work. And God is still faithful. Some of you may know 4th of July is my favorite holiday. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but it's because it's about family and friends. There's no big, huge expectations like Christmas and Thanksgiving. I just, I love it. There's no big pressure. Um, And for me, it's always been filled with family and friends. Growing up, my family had a small cabin down on uh, the Oregon coast in Manzanita. And as I grew up going there, then I became a mom and took my kids and took friends. And it was just a place of celebration. And then 2020. And the world was shut. And right before that, my family had sold the cabin. And I didn't know where to go. We were all stuck in our homes. We were stuck in our neighborhoods. So I decided to throw my own 4th of July party. I decided we'll make a party right here in this street. We'll have chalk and bubbles like we used to do right before the parade. We'll pull out the job rocker. The neighbors are just going to come out. It's going to be glorious. So just imagine me. I get out the face tattoos. I'm blowing bubbles. We're drawing outlines of dead bodies on the road under the cars to freak people out. We've got the job rocker, the big speaker there. And I'm out there singing along with Katy Perry. Baby, you're a firework. Yeah, I don't sing. And I physically, I heard the neighbors lock their doors and the blinds came down. And I think I saw the ones across the street, like kind of peeping through the blinds, like, what is that crazy lady out there doing? I was just acting like a fool. So last year, 2021, I thought, okay, I want to try this again. I want to try this again. Seriously. But we really wanted to get the neighbors involved this year. And we had moved into our neighborhood in March 2020 as the world was shutting down. So we didn't know anybody and everybody had really still stayed to themselves. And so here we are, July 2021, and people are just kind of starting to come out of their shells. And I'm like, 
God, how do I do this? How should I just expect them to show up? And God kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, Nancy, you need to go and fight them. And I'm like, what? I'm an introvert. Jesus, you know this. He's like, Nancy, you need to go door to door and you need to invite them. So I made some plans. I dragged my husband along with me because I couldn't do it on my own. Made a little flyer. I went door to door. We went door to door, knocking on the doors, introducing ourselves, meeting the neighbors. I made some plans for 4th of July. So we're going to have this little parade and dress up your bikes. And I bought stuff for the, the kids and little toys and candies and goodie bags, all that kind of stuff. And then I thought, mm, is anybody going to show up? And during this time, God had been doing a work on my own heart attitude because the year before, not long after that foolishness of baby, you're a firework, um, I was in a class that we were talking about the beautiful mission of God and the fellowship he desires with his people. The koinonia, this beautiful fellowship of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit with us, with God, this back and forth, two-way relationship, not one-sided, not one-sided, together. And as I studied and wrote and prayed, I felt this deep, deep questioning of why do we hold this koinonia, this fellowship, just with God and with other Christians and just in the confines of our church? Why do we hold this here? What if this fellowship, this koinonia, was supposed to be moved out, not just out, but beyond the walls of the church, not just away from, devoid in the church, but with us out into our communities, out into our neighborhoods. And if we're going to be part of this movement of God, of the Holy Spirit, how do we set aside our own to-do list and adjust our heart attitude and move with the Spirit to where God is already at work? Friends, Elijah left his homeland. He left the place the ravens were feeding him. He followed what God wanted him to do. Now, I'm no Elijah. I'm not saying that. Remember, I'm the foolish. I'm a firework baby, and that's going to follow me forever now, isn't it? But I wanted to be obedient to God's calling. I wanted to be rooted in his word. I wanted my heart attitude to seek him. So I stepped out of my comfort zone when we went door to door. I stepped out and knocked and had conversations and invited. And I was worried. What if no one shows up? But you know what? They did. They did. They showed up and they wanted, no, they craved community. It was a stupid hot 4th of July last year, if you remember that. And they stood in the street for hours. I had invited some other friends to come over and we're all out there just roasting in the sun because they wanted to keep talking. And the neighbors, two houses up the street, they brought down Capri Suns and snacks to be part of our parade. And the other neighbors brought down other candies and treats because we had a reverse parade. Like we threw things at the kids as they drove by on their bikes. And every neighbor participated. We had bowls of treats for everybody to toss to the kids. And the kids were riding up and down and blowing bubbles and eating their treats and putting on their tattoos. And we had community right there in the street. But it wasn't about the treats. It wasn't about the parade. It wasn't about the 4th of July. It was about building relationships of being known and knowing one another. 
And then a few weeks later, there was a knock at our door. And I, I didn't know what was going on and went up there to answer it. And there's a neighbor girl skipping out of our driveway. And dad out on the sidewalk, oh, hey, so good to see you. Our plum tree in our backyard is like going crazy. And so we just picked a bag of plums for you. And I reached down and picked up this bag of plums. And the kids had drawn and written all over this paper bag, little hearts and thank you. And just little drawings in this bag full of plums. And it adjusted my heart attitude again. And it wasn't about the plums. It was about community. It was about loving and caring for one another. It wasn't about the plums or the parade or the 4th of July or my to-do list. It was about trusting God is faithful and adjusting my heart posture to allow God to transform my heart, for him to work in my life, for him to begin to create this koinonia not just in my relationship with him, but beyond me into my neighborhood. It's not just about us serving our neighbors or just loving them, but receiving love from them as well. That means we have to get out of our heads and away from our to-do lists. It means we step out of our comfort zone and allow God to adjust our heart attitudes. It means we walk in obedience, even when it feels uncomfortable, and we trust that God provides and that he is at work even in the neighborhood. Friends, if we go back and were to finish that passage in 1 Kings, we would see that the widow's son actually does die. And Elijah was there. And Elijah carried him upstairs and laid the boy down and laid his body over him and he prayed to God. And the Lord heard Elijah's cry and brought the boy back to life. And the woman in verse 24 says, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is true. This woman, this foreign woman, was believing in God. And this happened because they were in relationship. Elijah was there, and she had cared for him, and he cares for her. He humbled himself. He was vulnerable. It wasn't about the water or the bread. The art of receiving is not about receiving the bread. It's about the attitude and posture of our hearts, trusting that God is already at work. So we might ask, where is God already at work in our lives? What about, where is God already at work in our neighborhoods? This makes me think of John 1.14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Or the message version, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. That one gets me every time. Friends, God is in our neighborhoods God is in our neighbors, and our neighbors have something to offer us. It's not about us making a to-do list or going to make them followers of Jesus as if we're some sort of super Christians. It's our role to be obedient, 
to know God's word, to allow him to move in our hearts and shape our heart attitude as we approach him with humility and vulnerability, not having everything all figured out and all together. This might be different for some of us. We're used to being high-performing, got our lists, checking the calendar, checking the apps on our phones. So this might look like just noticing in your neighborhood what are ways I can get to know them. How can I enter into a back-and-forth relationship? Rarely do we advertise our weakness, especially to our neighbors, or admit we need help, or don't know something. But what would it look like if you see somebody in your neighborhood with a skill and you say, hey, would you help me learn how to do that? Could you come help me with this home repair project? Hey, your yard is amazing. How do you do that? Like, what, what's your ratio on your fertilizer? These are things I want to know, always. Friends, our neighbors are not a project. In the art of neighboring, they are not a project. They are people. And it means being in a two-way relationship back and forth, allowing others into our lives to help meet our needs. We can't be the only ones doing the giving. Receiving can be hard. It takes humility. Recognizing someone may have something we don't have. It may mean admitting we need help. It means stepping into vulnerability, putting ourselves out there, and asking for help. Vulnerability and humility are traits Jesus knows well, right? Jesus, who took on flesh, was born as a vulnerable baby and in humility went to the cross. Jesus, fully God and fully human, could have operated out of his power at any moment. That power was there. But in humility, he laid down his life so that we might receive eternal life. What a gift that is. Friends, it's not just about us serving our neighbors or just loving them well enough, but it's about receiving love from them as well. It's about allowing Jesus, who was already at work in our neighborhoods, in our neighbors, to be at work in us too. And when we get out of the way, set aside our to-do list, and enter into this true back-and-forth relationship with our neighbors, that means we receive as well. When we stop trying to control or manage and instead come from this place of humility and vulnerability, hmm, when we recognize the image of God is in our neighbor, the spirit is already at work in them, they are an image bearer and God is at work. And we get to come into this relationship with our faults, with our weaknesses, maybe even with our brokenness. 
And we get to let another into our lives. And we let Jesus minister through one another. Receiving love from them as well. And we find this koinonia. Fellowship and love with one another and God. Right in our neighborhoods. It's not complicated, friends. It's not complicated. Sometimes sure is hard. Sure is hard. To move from this bigger, better, faster culture to a heart posture of humility and vulnerability, to let go of the list, the unsaid expectations, the way we think it should be in our lives, in our neighborhoods, in our relationships, and allow Jesus to transform us. That heart attitude, that takes time, takes work, but we can receive his deep love. Friends, in just a moment, we're going to get ready to pray. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And we're going to open up just for a space of prayer to consider what ways might we need to let go of our to-do lists, our, our managing our neighbors as our projects, What ways do we need to step out of our head and let God move us into our heart, into a place of vulnerability and humility to transform us? What heart attitude does God want to change in you? Would you rather stay in the comfort of your own home? Or is God calling you to step beyond that, to step out of fear, to step closer to another, to ask for help, to receive help? And in this time of prayer, the band is going to pray, going to sing a song for us. Pray as well. So you can just sit in your seats and pray. Listen to this song. Pastor Austin and I will be up front to pray for you if you need additional prayer. Pastor Mark will be available in the back. We're here to pray for you, to pray with you, to be vulnerable enough to come to another person and ask for prayer. Or sit in your seat. Listen to these words. Because God is here for all of us. God is faithful. And he wants to change our heart posture. Will you pray with me? Father God, we are so grateful for the ways that you love us. The ways that you have provided Jesus to us. Lord, as we pray about our neighborhoods... Help us move from our to-do list and treating our neighbors as projects. Help us move into knowing that you are present, that you are at work in our neighbors and our neighborhoods and in us. Help us see spaces that we can step into or spaces we can ask for your help, where we can ask a neighbor for help. Lord, help us step out of our pride and our positions of power. Help us step into a place where we depend on you and know you are faithful. In Jesus' name we pray.